1: All you got to do is subscribe to Locked on Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 in Lexington, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And um, we've got uh, a lot of little random things. Of course, Kentucky takes on Alabama in men's basketball uh, Saturday at noon. And the Kentucky women uh, beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa on Thursday night as we're recording this uh, for Friday. And it was another huge game for Ryan Howard. We're going to talk about her. Uh, we're going to hit on Quad A Green, Jamal Baker, A.J. Rose, Anwar Stewart, Mike Leach. That'll that'll be uh, kind of a hodgepodge of different things we're talking about, including Just a Kentucky couple and, items. <laughs> yeah, Kentucky and Alabama's men's basketball game. But let's begin with Ryan Howard. So the last game, she goes against Tennessee in Memorial Coliseum. And Kentucky had opened SEC play in Columbia, South Carolina against number four ranked uh, Gamecocks and got destroyed, embarrassed. It was awful. They just looked like they didn't belong on the same floor. Uh, Then they come back and play Tennessee in Memorial Coliseum. Howard goes for 37 points, hits seven threes. 37 was a career high for her. Uh, She turns around and goes to Tuscaloosa uh, Thursday night. 43 points, a new career high. Ties the school record for most points in a single game. Hits seven threes again. Kentucky as a team hits 16 threes. But just just her stat line for, like, the Tennessee game, 12 of 27 shooting, 7 of 13 from 3, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 blocks, 3 steals. Against Alabama, 43 points, 14 of 21 shooting, 7 of 11 from 3, 6 rebounds and assists, 2 blocks, 5 steals. She is – and they talked her up. And it and these what happens is with these games, this was on the SEC Network Plus. Uh, and if you follow UK, watch UK games on the SEC Network Plus, you know that – wherever the game is being played, the, the local people are who they use. So, like, I've done an uh, SEC softball matchup between Kentucky uh, and I think it was Ole Miss. I can't remember who it was. But, but I was a color analyst with Dave Baker for that game. So, uh, I think when the women play on the SEC Network Plus Kentucky basketball, it's like Christy Thomas and maybe Jeff Picoro. So, they're, they're local. So, down there in Tuscaloosa, it was Eli Gold who was the play-by-play voice of Alabama football uh, and and basketball, I believe. And then Rick Moody, another guy that I think is local to Tuscaloosa there. And then the sideline reporter was clearly a student. I mean, just maybe he's 20 or 21. (laughs) And it was, I thought, embarrassing for Matthew Mitchell to have to sit there and answer that. Not that he put bad questions to Matthew Mitchell, uh, but it just – I don't know. It's like you're going to... A little amateurish. Yeah, it's amateur hour there. But um, to their credit, the broadcast crew was all over Ryan Howard the whole night. I mean, if you're an Alabama fan watching that game, you're probably going, oh my God, I'm sick of hearing about Ryan Howard. But she was deserving of all the praise because she did everything and she was unstoppable.
0: Yeah, and she's on an incredible tear. She was the, I believe, National Freshman of the Year, correct? She was, unanimous. Uh, And she was the national, I think, National Player of the Week um, coming into this week after Mm -hmm. going for 28 on South Carolina and 37 against Tennessee. Um, And over the last five games, she's had 26 on Louisville, 29 at California, 28 at South Carolina. Thirty-seven on Tennessee, forty-three against Alabama. The last five games, she's averaging thirty-two point six points. Yeah. Uh, and as you mentioned, the threes—fourteen out of twenty-four over the last two games from three, which is just outrageous. Um, she was shooting like forty-one percent for the season from three, even before tonight when she made seven out of eleven. So, well, she's uh, now
1: at forty-two point four percent, fifty-three of one twenty-five. I mean, good grief. Yeah. Yeah,
0: she's uh, yeah, she's she's really really good. Um, I don't know enough to know if she's a you know legitimate contender for a national player of the year. Um, but she's got to be one of the handful of the best players in women's college basketball. And the great thing about women's college basketball, uh, is that. When you get a player like this, a transcendent player, you don't have to worry all the time about if she's going to be gone after a year or two. Years, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, she's coming back again, uh, and what a, what an unbelievable piece to sort of build your program around, and and maybe is is the thing that has restabilized this program. You know, I think we talked a, a few podcasts ago about sort of how the program was on this great trajectory early on under Matthew Mitchell, where it was, you know, sweet 16 elite eight, you know, maybe they're good enough to go to the final four and and didn't quite break through, but they were always kind of knocking on the door. And Mitchell obviously got like this ridiculous contract where he was getting a million dollars a year. Um, And then it just was on the brink of completely falling apart, assistant coaches and players just leaving in droves and everybody going like, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. Um, And somehow he, kind of pulled that out of the ditch and when you know when you it feels like in women's college basketball you can almost this is the thing you can do if you could get that one star to pick you um, and you know you're going to have her for a while and then she shows for a couple years what she can do then other players want to come play with her and you and now you're now your program is back together uh you know and they they have good players coming in uh they got a good team this year Ryan Howard is a big deal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, and and somebody t- I, I tweeted out her five game uh, heater that she's on, and and somebody replied to me and I thought it was really a really good point. Uh, his name is Ray Vasky, I think, or Vask V a s k e. So thanks for the note, Ray. And he said, "This stretch of talent across UK athletics has been nothing short of amazing." All the oh, yeah. you know all of Calipari's guys, Sydney McLaughlin, who's the basically the about to be the face of, of USA women's track and field, uh, who came to Kentucky for her one college season, and all of those track athletes that you know that program has won a bunch of national titles, and Josh Allen and Benny Snell and Lynn Bowden, uh, and now Ryan Howard in in women's basketball, um, you know, and that if you think a little, you know, stretch that a little further, A.J. Reed won the Golden Spikes Award in baseball, and they've you know yeah. had so- uh, softball and soccer success and won rifle national championships. Um, you know, the volleyball program is at an all-time high. Leah Edmund, Nick Richard's girlfriend, is probably the greatest volleyball player in school history. I mean, yeah. within the last six years, five, six years, um, Kentucky Athletics has had just, probably the the highest level of across the board star power they've ever had
1: yeah and with the women's basketball program um uh, the problem has been just getting um a couple other players to go with the star like since matthew mitchell's been there like it started with victoria dunlap um who was uh she was great and an anchor of the the early years of the program then they had like uh, you know, Audia Mathis came along, and uh, Michaela Epps, uh, some of the ones, Evelyn Akator. Some of the stars that were the anchors of the program for a few years where they couldn't. Um, but then they, they just haven't had more around them. So right now, uh, maybe uh, Ryan Howard is is the one player like she outshines the rest more so than in some of these previous years, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like they need her to do even more because of uh, just not that the other players are not any good. It's just that they, they don't have another like real true scorer or, or someone yeah. who, who's close to her. And they're going to get that with treasure hunt. Next just next
0: We got We got to talk about treasure hunt again, because that's yeah, the greatest yeah. name ever. But.
1: She's the one that's coming in that, that'll help with that. But, um, this reminds me of something, and maybe we should carry this over. We should probably take a break. Yeah, we'll take a break, and we'll carry this over. But So the 43 points that Ryan Howard scored tonight, and she she hit a three, and there was a charge underneath the basket or an offensive foul underneath the basket that uh, someone who didn't even have the ball, away from the ball, underneath the basket when she hits this three that goes in. If that counts, she's got 46. She had three other shots where they just rimmed in and went out. where She, she could have gone for 50. But that ties the single game record for points uh, for women's basketball at Kentucky. And we'll talk about who she tied when we return on the Locked On Kentucky podcast.
0: You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky
1: Wildcats podcast. Okay, back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. And so we teased that she had Ryan Howard's 43 points against Alabama in a win on Thursday night. Tied the UK women's single game record for points in a game. Uh, the record belongs to. Do you take a, I mean, do you want to take a stab at it? or Do you want to just blurt it out the here?
0: Sing, is it recent?
1: Uh, it is within the last six seven years. So yeah. not it's not Michaela Epps. No, Michaela Epps had forty two though. Okay. And that is that's tied for second most. Uh, Audia Mathis. It's Jennifer O'Neill. Oh yeah. And. Do you remember this? I'm sure you covered this. This was the 2013 December game at Baylor in Waco that went to like three or four overtimes.
0: And it was oh, a doubleheader well, with the yeah. men's game.
1: Yeah, I was right? there in
0: an ice storm. Oh my god, it was the one of the worst nights of my life cuz like everybody was, got stuck there, right? It was a crazy ice storm and it was like the rare trip where my wife had decided she's going to come with me. We're going to make a week. <laughs> we're going to make a weekend out of it. Uh, we just beat the storm in. I, we're, this is, I'm diverging, but I think people kind of enjoy some of these stories. And for the second straight night, uh, recording this, it's going to loop in Brett Dawson. Uh, so, so, uh, my wife and I and Brett were all on the same flight from Lexington going through, I think Minneapolis. And we, you know, got to Minneapolis and we're sitting there and it, it, The way it was set up is like this restaurant we decided to grab a bite to eat during our layover it said it our gate was right there so we were like 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 next to it so we were like well we got time to sit and eat and then uh you know catch our flight to dallas and we were trying to we i think we had moved our flights up because we were trying to beat this uh, inclement weather that was coming to dallas yeah and we eat our food and it kind of takes a little while we're like we should go ahead and get our check and hustle on over uh, but it's right here. So we're fine. Well, we finish, we pay, we start to walk where the sign was indicating that our gate was, but the sign was just to say like, you need to get on a, on a shuttle and ride to this, where, <laughs> <laughs> where this gate is. And we, and, and we waited and waited and the shuttle never came. So then we were like, well, let's just do it on foot. Well, it was like a two mile jaw. Every gate was like 200 yards apart. Oh in this my airport. gosh. And we were just running, and we ran as hard as we could, and we'd stop and walk and catch our breath. <laughs> and we, <laughs> and we, we got there just in time to get on the plane, and we were all just like soaked through our clothes from from running like a two-mile run through the airport with our luggage. We get there, horrible weather. We could My wife never left the hotel, because it not only was it like snow, it was like a full-blown ice storm. Um, hmm. And then, so... We were going to have fun, so we, we stayed in Dallas. Well, that is not where the Cowboys Stadium is. It is a long way from Dallas. And, Arlington, right? Yeah, and so the night of the game, I'm like, oh, God, like, I'm going to just drive like 15 miles an hour and try to get there in this rental car. Get to this overpass, this big bridge on one of those huge spaghetti junction type things yes. in, in Dallas. And, it, I mean, it's like a foot thick of snow and ice and oh people are the whole bridge people are stranded and so we're all getting out the car in What front kind of, of car is it? I don't even remember. It was a sedan, you know. Yeah. So we're all stranded on this bridge and so we'd, we people were getting out from the back cars and pushing the cars in front out oh. out of the to get them through the over the hump and so then you'd get back in your car and somebody would push you. And we did that. <laughs> I mean, I got I thought I was going to miss the game. You know, and, and so I get there and of course I didn't miss the game because the women's game before it went four overtimes or five overtimes. And, uh, and then once the game was over, there was no chance it was even more bad weather and it was even colder. There was no way I was going to try to drive all the way back to where my wife was at the hotel. And so some other people were staying right by the stadium, Brent and some other people. And we ended up, a bunch of us just ended up like sleeping on floors you know, in people's hotel rooms that were staying further out. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was, and then I loaded every person that was staying there into my rental and tried to take them to the airport the next day, and it was a disaster just sliding off the road. But, uh, yes, I do, but I do remember being there for that, and I remember uh, – Thinking, I re, you know, I'm sure everybody's enjoying this game, but I'm here to cover the the Kentucky men's game, and I really want this other game to get over with because because right. we didn't get out of there until I mean late, and nobody was there. They were like, oh, you know, it's a hundred thousand seat football stadium, Baylor, Kentucky. There'll be there'll be fifty thousand people that'll show up to this game, and there were like eight thousand people in this in this hundred thousand seat stadium, and it was the most pathetic looking, you know, sad crowd that you could imagine well i seem
1: to remember um like jen smith from the herald formerly of the lexton herald leader was stuck there for what like several days i don't think so no
0: she might have been stuck there an extra day but but i remember she might have been one of the people i took to the airport but I know that because she was also, I think, staying at that same place wherever they were all staying by the airport. I ended up sleeping on Brett's floor, and I don't. By sleep, I think I we like closed <laughs> our eyes for like an hour, and then it was like sunrise. Uh, <laughs> um, but I took a bunch of people to that airport, and I was like, "There's no way you're going to fly out of here," and they did. Like, I think everybody got out. So, um. so, so now
1: I don't know that I. I don't think I've I've read some of what UK said. I don't know if they put this out here or not, but. You think about it, that game, it was 133 to 30. Kentucky won the women, November or December 6, 2013, against number nine Baylor.
0: 133 to
1: 30. 130. Oh, 130. 133 okay. to 130 okay. in four overtimes. Yeah. And Jennifer O'Neill had the 43 points. So Ryan Howard's 43 points is a school record for a
0: regulation game.
1: It took Jennifer O'Neill four extra periods to get to 43
0: points. Yeah. No, it's an incredible thing to score. I mean, uh, you know, it's not, not dissimilar to when Jody Meeks went bananas in that game uh, at Tennessee. I mean, to see, it, to see somebody in a college regulation game uh, go nuts like that, it's hard to do. I mean, you've got to basically either hit a ton of threes or just not miss anything you're putting up. Yeah. Or really both.
1: Yeah. No, she was um, – I watched most of it, and she was just uh, – she was amazing to watch. She just – but you, she is really – I'm not going to say she's the only thing Kentucky has, but she's the – I mean, at one point, when she got to 43 points, when she hit 43 points, at that particular point, the rest of Kentucky's players had 33 combined. Yeah. So she had, you know, 43 of the – 76 at that moment and she's just she's everything for him so uh, and still even then she's so hard to stop. Uh, but let, let's move on from from that and uh, talk about one other uh, f- former Kentucky men's basketball player, Quad a Green who transferred to Washington was ruled eligible to play this season and now he's ineligible. Yes academics.
0: Yeah, that's a killer. That's a killer for Washington because they were playing a six-man rotation, and he was their point guard playing thirty-four, uh, I don't know, playing thirty-point-four minutes per game. It started, I think, all but one game so far. Basically, twelve points and five assists a game, a steal per game, shooting eighty-four percent from the free throw line, shooting forty-five percent from three. Um, he was a very important piece too because he was a. You know, essentially a junior in college, uh, playing on a team where their best two other best guys are freshmen, and he's kind of a steadying influence. Isaiah Stewart, the big man, and and uh, uh, Jaden McDaniels, the the wing, both McDonald's All Americans, guys that Kentucky recruited. Um, so they they had a, a, a nucleus of three guys, two freshmen and Quade, uh, who had all been McDonald's All Americans, and, and really kind of gave. Washington a chance to be, uh, you know, not only a team that makes the tournament, but, you know, could could win some games in the tournament. Now, I mean, they've got, I think, 16 regular season games left. They're going to certainly have to play those without him. I thought the interesting thing was their semester, I guess, ends like in the middle of March. And so if he sticks with his classes and his gets his grades right this semester, uh, he, I guess, he could these return are, these for the are, tournament. He could return for the postseason, the, the conference and the NCAA tournament. Um, but the, the question would be how much damage will have been done by then. They're, they have like a three-star freshman who's their backup point guard, um, and it's going to be tough. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, it could be devastating to Washington's season. It also really sucks for Quade because he missed 28 games last year when he left Kentucky like with a couple games left in the first semester. Uh, he transferred just, just very suddenly packed his bags and bounced. It was right after that game they played in New York. He didn't play a lot. Uh, and, uh, he was gone. He, he, he just didn't show up to practice the next day when they got back to Lexington. Um, and he was gone. So he missed 28 games last year. Uh, he's going to miss at least 16 this year. And, you know, that's a big chunk out of his college career. So what, I I don't know what, um, what that means for him next year uh, and beyond, and, and it's, it's a bummer. Uh, I like a. Uh, Yeah, I think a lot of people sort of felt that, Kentucky fans felt that way about him. There's nothing unlikable about him. He just got caught in a numbers crunch, you know, and even if he'd come right. back this year, he would have been, you know, he wasn't going to play ahead of Ashton. He wasn't going to play ahead of uh, Tyrese Maxey, and I don't think he was going to play ahead of Emmanuel Quickly. Probably. so. Um,
1: Not the way Emmanuel came into this season anyway.
0: Yeah, so um, sucks for Quade, sucks for Washington. Um, you know, Sucks for those freshmen that, that you know are, came to play, in part, play with him. I mean, he was a guy who really sets them up. I mean, a, a lot of the su- success of Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniels is predicated on uh, Quade being a guy to get things going for them. So it uh, hurt, hurts their seasons as well.
1: Well, in the Pac-12, Oregon looks really good, and they're playing Arizona. Is that game over yet? I'm not at a TV. Uh,
0: let me look. Uh, I
1: had ESPN pulled up, but if I leave it up, you oh, know, one of their the automatic videos plays yeah. and yeah, throws I know. <laughs> audio over top of my headphones, and I can't hear anything. So I had to had to shut that down.
0: Uh, uh, I'll get to that score you're asking about, uh, but Gonzaga, with 11 and a half minutes to go, is currently leading San Diego 70 to 28
1: oh that's awful oh. i mean
0: that's insane they're by 42 oh points with 12 minutes to go mm-hmm. uh oregon won by a point in overtime against arizona 74 73 um oregon's good man I, you yeah know, they are arizona's got some good freshmen nico Mannion's really fun mm-hmm. um but when i was
1: watching it jamal baker was you know playing quite a bit
0: yeah let me see what baker did Baker missed both his three-point attempts. Um, for, oh, the other thing I was looking for was uh, in Folly Dante, When we talk about guys that either that got away or, or Kentucky tried to get and couldn't. Um, in the frantic pursuit of more big men, they first tried to get uh, Kerry Blackshear, who ended up at Florida, and he's having a really, right. really nice season. Their, their overtime game the other day, or double overtime game that they had, Black yeah. Cheer had like 25 and 17 or something crazy. Right. Uh, and then Enfali Dante, the reclassified five-star kid, um, ended up going to Oregon. He got there, played a couple games, and then like – or did he, did he even play? I can't remember. They, he was I don't ruled, think he did. I guess he didn't play, and they ruled, yeah. they ruled him academically ineligible. He is now back with the team, um, and he was 5 6 from the field, 10 points, five rebounds, and two blocks. Uh, off, yeah. the, off the bench for Oregon. He, he, they were already good before he came back, and now he's there. Um, you know, they've got a great player in Peyton Pritchard, the point guard. He had 18, 7, and 6 in that game. He's uh, the guy that
1: makes him go. I mean, watching him in the tournament last year uh, is why I believe in Oregon. That kid yeah,
0: right he, was a guy, he was a guy that Cal had with Team USA a couple of years ago and, and loved him. I, and I liked him a lot watching him in those practices. I, I was – I really, really liked uh, Peyton Pritchard, and probably, you know, Cal, Cal let Emmanuel quickly run the show uh, for the most part in that tournament, and, and you know, probably a little bit to his his in that tournament detriment <laughs> to not turn it over to Peyton Pritchard. Uh, but anyway, Oregon very good.
1: Okay, so football is what we're talking next, and we'll do it when we return here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. <laughs>
0: This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day.
1: Okay, back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, uh, just quickly on football, uh, A.J. Rose uh, announced that he's returning. I really hadn't thought about him as someone who was uh, thinking about the NFL, really hadn't thought that he would get a chance to do that uh, anyway just yet, not after his junior season, even though he's put up you know nice numbers and has had success running the ball at Kentucky. Um, I guess the other thing was I'm returning because I'm not going somewhere else to not have to share the load with Cavassier smoke and Chris Rodriguez, uh, which is no doubt what will be what happens. And he could, you know, seniority plays a big role, and I think they absolutely rewarded that this year. Eddie Grand absolutely rewarded AJ. Rose with that. Uh, and AJ. Rose's numbers, you know, as, as much criticism as he gets, he did break off big runs. He's He's got good numbers, got a good, you know, yards per carry. But again and again, uh, fans could see it that Chris Rodriguez and Cavassier Smoke both appear to be more talented overall uh, as runners. And so would that, you know, kind of take over and A.J. Rose's carries go down, or will Eddie Grant continue to to divvy up those carries, as he says he does. He has a system. He's got somebody that counts. They've got somebody there with a pitch count. How many carries does AJ have? How many carries does Cavassier have? How many carries does Chris have? And they try to, he'll ride the hot hand, but at the same time, he wants to give everyone a fair shake. So maybe that played into him deciding to re- return uh, and not go somewhere else. I have no idea if there were thoughts of him going somewhere else. That's just kind of my mm, you know, take on the whole situation.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I thought, like, announcing that he was, like, coming back was more of, I'm not – like, letting everybody know I'm not transferring. (laughs) Because he wasn't going to the NFL. Uh, He had a really – I mean, he ends up having a really nice season. When you think about how much Lynn Bowden took of the rushing load over the last eight games and the fact that he's split in time with those two young backs, the fact that he led them in rushing – well. Of, among running backs let them rushing 826 rushing yards, 5.5, a carry six touchdowns, caught 11 passes. I mean that he's had a, a really nice season. He had over, uh, almost 900 yards from scrimmage. Um, yeah. he's got 1300, uh, career rushing yards at and a 5.6 yard per carry average for his career with 11 touchdowns. Most places, if you yeah. had a 1,300-yard back with 11 touchdowns, 5.6 a carry, coming back as a senior, you'd be thrilled. And they, I'm sure people are thrilled. Um, and I've been guilty of this myself in terms of just, you know, you got to give it to Smoke and Rodriguez. The fact of the matter is Rose did some really good stuff, and he had probably as many, you know, big breakaway uh, – Runs yeah. as anybody. I mean, he he mm-hmm. ended up having some huge. and he, I think he had a couple called back that were really did, long yeah. runs over the course of the season, fifty plus yard runs. One in the um, belt bowl. I mean, he could have easily gone over a thousand yards. And again, you've got to factor in how much Lynn Bowden took away rushing opportunities for the backs. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I just I think it's great to have three guys. Um, well, and they want to get Travis Tisdale going now
1: that you know he's had his red shirt freshman year. Uh, they want to see that speed on the field as well, but maybe he'll just have to wait another I mean, season with these three he, guys.
0: He needs to be returning kicks and punts. You know, yeah. I mean, like mm-hmm. if he, if he's as electric as they say, then then find him that role and get him out in the slot. Um, we have some other other ways to use him because I mean that's the other thing too. You know, once you're back to having a, a forward passing offense, uh, you're not just losing Lynn Bowden Jr. the the Wildcat quarterback, you're also losing the guy that if you'd had a normal offense was going to be in the slot and catching short passes mm-hmm. and turning them into big gains. And do you have that guy on the roster? So maybe maybe that's a place where they try to find uh, a home for Tisdale or, or somebody else that we don't know about right now. I know the kid, that, the kid that they're uh, recruiting still, basically the last target in this recruiting class, Drennan, uh, yeah. is kind of, I guess, the closest thing to a Lynn Bowden option that exists, but, um, but it's good. I mean, now you also go, does, does one, do one of the other guys leave? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if Rose is back, do one of the other guys leave? Cause at some point smoke and Rodriguez are both going to say like, I think I'm good enough to be the guy. And now I'm not sharing it with just one guy. I'm sharing it with two or three guys. Um, so I wonder about that as well.
1: Well, Eddie Grant's been through it before. I, I know he was, the, the coach at Auburn with Cadillac Williams and Ronnie Brown. I just don't remember. Cause I was actually kind And Auburn Brandon Jacobs. Time. Well, that's what I was going to say. Brandon Jacobs was there too. And I was covering Auburn at that time. And I just don't, if Eddie grand was there with Brandon Jacobs, I just don't remember talking to him much, but I remember doing a story with Brandon Jacobs and, you know, Brandon Jacobs left of course, cause that's, that's too much, uh, for, uh, for one backfield. Um, I mean, three NFL running backs right there in the same backfield. Three
0: really good ones. Yeah. yeah.
1: But uh, talking about people returning to Kentucky, Anwar Stewart, the former, um, I guess he was linebacker, defensive end for Kentucky from 96 to 99. He'll be remembered forever for his uh, blocked kick return, where the, the, the kick against Alabama, Alabama's kicking the ball and it gets blocked directly into Anwar Stewart's hands as he is running full stride the other way in Kentucky's win over Alabama in 1997 Um, and he spent one year at Appalachian State as the defensive line coach but he was also with uh, Stoops in 2017 he came back to get his degree and was here 2017-2018 on Stoops staff uh, I guess as a grad assistant Uh, and then in between there I didn't really – wasn't paying attention uh, to Anwar Stewart enough after he left to to realize that he has been – he played in the CFL for 13 years. Uh, But John Hale from the Courier-Journal was the first to report that uh, he is the the candidate the most – that he's going to return and become the defensive line coach, it it looks like, for Kentucky.
0: Yeah, that's, that's I think, a a good uh, direction to go because, uh, one – there's some continuity there, you know. He was, he was here with the, most of the guys that are going to be coming back on a veteran defensive line. Um, I think the fact that he worked with LeBlanc and and worked with this defensive staff, they know what they know what he knows. They know what he's, you know. Uh, it's can, LeBlanc. Oh, it is LeBlanc. LeBlanc. Yeah,
1: LeBlanc. It's yeah LeBlanc. It's LeBlanc. LeBlanc. Yeah, French uh, all, right. all the way. That's from him. Okay. He does not. Uh, that came up because his kid played at Douglas High School before he went to North Texas, and, you know, we do highlights. And so when we, when we talk about his kid, he doesn't want to hear LeBlanc or LeBlanc. He wants to hear LeBlanc. So That's there you go. Good. <laughs> That's He's good. gone now, so there you go.
0: Don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> um, and, by the way, uh, yes, Eddie Graham was there when uh, all those guys, Brandon when Jacobs all and all those guys were there. Um uh, it was two thousand I'm looking it looks like 2003. 03? Yeah. Or I think two thousand three was when they when they all uh, yes. Two thousand three Cadillac Williams had thirteen hundred yards, Ronnie Brown had four forty six and Brandon Jacobs had four forty six. Um so you had and would three, they have gone
1: to the Sugar Bowl? Steps. Would you have been covering Virginia Tech when they went to the Sugar Bowl against yes. Auburn?
0: That was the next year, two thousand four. Oh four. Uh, yeah. was the undefeated Auburn team that didn't get in the uh national right. championship game and uh ended up playing a great game against uh against Virginia Tech in the Sugar Bowl. Um and I guess Brandon Jacobs had already left because the next mm-hmm. year Cadillac Williams had eleven sixty five and Ronnie Brown had nine thirteen. They had Two guys combined for two thousand rushing yards, but uh. you're
1: talking about Devin Shadou, Ben Obamanu, both NFL receivers. Jason Campbell, the quarterback. Yep. Uh, they had two linebackers who played in the NFL, Dontarius Thomas, and I forget the other guy. They had uh, Carlos Rogers, the defensive back. I mean, that that team was loaded. With it was NFL a really players. yeah.
0: Carlos Rogers, I think, won the uh, won the Thorpe Award. He did. Um, mm-hmm that year. Um, I remember that team very well. That was, that was a good Auburn team. I mean, (laughs) people, people that like to crap on Eddie grand, like that dude was involved in some really good, uh, offenses with some really good players, uh, really good running back. He knows, he knows the running game. He knows how to coach running backs. He knows how to balance those guys and and use, use more than one. So for the way and the style that Cal, that Cal, that Stoops wants to, um, (laughs) Yeah, You know, what Stoops wants out of an offense and what their strengths are with a great offensive line and a stable of backs. Eddie Grant is the perfect guy, you know, to be sort of overseeing all that. But in terms of in terms of this, Anwar Stewart, um, I, I would say anytime there's a guy that Stoops has been around for some time and he says, I want this guy, and, it, and he does it pretty quickly, then you've got to trust that. And so he's yeah. done that here. Have a great weekend, everyone.